0: Welcome to the Southern Alchemy Wellness Podcast. Southern Alchemy Wellness is a holistic wellness space and retail store devoted to the support of healthy living in the physical and virtual community. Our physical space is located at 4819 East Bush Boulevard, Suite 104. We hope that you'll come and see us here.
1: I am your host, Tracy Person. And I am Darren Person, your co-host, and this is is the Alchemy of Wellness podcast.
0: The storyteller is a magical being. They have the ability to captivate an audience and take them on a journey. They make us see, taste, smell, and experience the world in a lot of different ways. Storytellers are as old as the griot who chronicled our family history and spun myths about the creation of the world, the changing of the seasons, or the origins of beings inhabiting the earth. The storyteller has become the author, the playwright, the filmmaker. The power that they wield can be cathartic, healing, or transformative. As a fellow storyteller, author, and healer, I'd like to welcome our guest today, storyteller Cherie L. Greer, the creator of Kitchen Table and Literary Arts, among other things. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you we usually like to have our guests say a bunch of things about themselves that help everybody know how awesome you are so go right ahead okay so when i thought about that there were three things that came to mind and first of course is that i'm currently working on a memoir um tentatively titled best i know which is a phrase my dad um uses a lot and uh The way he has used that phrase has changed through the years. And so much of the memoir is about how our relationship, me and my fathers, has changed throughout the years. Um, The book is about alcohol abuse, absenteeism, familial trauma, but more so about familial healing um, and Mm -hmm. transformation and unconditional love and uh, memory and so that's kind of top of mind because that's what i'm working on it's i'm 100 pages in i probably have it's a collection of essays so i probably have like another five to write Uh, but in the meantime i'm applying for um you know grant funding to help finish with some of the research and things like that and sending out to agents and stuff so second thing i recently resigned from full-time faculty to focus on my art making Mm-hmm. and arts administration with a kitchen table. And it's been a surprising mix of feelings. And it's been like two years. Can I still say I'm finding my footing? And I think I am, I think I'm still finding my footing. I taught as full-time faculty at a state college for 12 years, you know, that's no small amount of time. And so I, mm-hmm. I think I'm beginning to embrace the fact that I am still finding my footing. Uh, and I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so i've been thinking a lot about uh what makes a place feel like home since being here in uh, tampa since 2009 so yeah those are three things that i talked about and <laughs> i want y'all to know i guess <laughs> there's so many points that touch i think darren and myself i mean we're kind of new to living in tampa year-round and um Darren's from the Midwest, so definitely that. And um, I left a faculty job to come here. So I I understand that free fall feeling. Um, I'm a daddy's girl. And I love what you had to say about discussing your relationship with your dad and that level of healing that it's bringing for you. And it definitely connects to the first thing I wanna know, which is if storytelling is a form of healing, how has that healing touched you? That's a really interesting question. I went to a conference once and I was talking about the healing properties of storytelling and stuff. And I could see, I was at a conference, a professional conference for like art therapists and stuff like that. And I could see some folks kind of bristling a little bit at my presentation because i am not a art therapist i'm not a therapist of any way shape or form um and it, it felt gatekeeperish of course mm-hmm. but then i also do want to hold space for like writing can be therapeutic it can be very healing but also it should be seen as like one part of how someone goes on their healing journey um because To me, like writing the story and sharing the story, which are two very distinct parts of storytelling, because you can write things privately and personally. Like I I keep a journal. I have a very um, strong journal in practice. I write every day in my journal, like a diary. Sometimes it's creative work that I'm trying to figure out. But other times it's homework from my therapist or it's just me asking some questions and trying to sort things out there are things in my journal that I will not share publicly. Mm. Um, And so that's a particular type of healing for me where I feel grounded and I feel um, sort of free to explore all of my feelings without judgment. And to me, that's what a, a journaling practice can do for you. When we start taking our stories into the public space, that becomes another kind of healing where there's a, particular type of boldness and vulnerability that, you know, I I don't know what the mix of it is. Um, and I tend to stay away from binaries, but there's a mix of boldness and vulnerability. Once you bring, once you start sharing your story, which I think could be healing as well in a different kind of way. And it's, it's just, I feel like it's about being seen. It's about feeling heard. It's about naming things. A lot of times that people would rather you not name. It's about naming things that we want to find community or connection in. And so I feel like that's part of it. Um, My favorite writer, James Baldwin, one of my favorite writers, James Baldwin, he has this really great documentary that came before the last one. It was called Price of the Ticket. The library probably has it on DVD. I haven't seen it streaming anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. It's called Price of the Ticket. And in it, he talks about how when he went to the library and he started reading books, he had this moment where all of the suffering that he thought was his alone, like he was not alone in the things that he was feeling. And I and I, I liken that to the kind of healing that storytelling and story sharing can do. It's like you feel less alone, you feel seen, you feel, you can feel embraced. Um, you can also be ostracized when you write certain things. Yeah uh but it inevitably helps ground you and and helps you find folks
1: Mm. between what you said the writing of the story and the sharing of the story those two which one impacted you
0: it's that's a really really great question they touch me differently depending on where i'm at in that process so like there were times and and as it relates to the memoir that i'm working on i'm going back to old journals um uh, back when i used to abuse alcohol and i'm reading about i'm reading entries that i most certainly wrote when i was intoxicated like i can read them and i can tell like sheree you were on one <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um, and so it's it's been sort of sad in a lot of ways to to read back some of those entries and i and i feel like that's that kind of that's a, a private kind of healing just for me To Mm -hmm. be able to think back to when I wrote that, you know, private thought or, um, you know, angry sentence or lonely sentence. There's so much anger and loneliness in those in in those entries and fear. And so when I think back at that time, I just want to like time travel and just go hug myself and be like, girl, it's okay." Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so and so I do think the just the writing of it, the getting it out, because because there's there's that transference of energy from it being in your head and your heart and then being on the page and then you look at it and you go, oh, now I'm kind of quote unquote, giving it a stake in the real world.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then those stakes are increased when you say, there's something about this that I think can help me heal even more and might also help other folks heal. And so when you make the decision to say, how do I transmute this private kind of reckoning into something that maybe the community can heal from? Mm-hmm. You know, that takes on a, a different kind of energy. So mm-hmm. that I think they're both they've both impacted me quite a bit, especially now, I've never I never imagined I'd be writing nonfiction. And I never imagined I'd be writing so candidly about myself and that time Or about my family and my father and our relationship. Mm. Wow. You're making me uh, think of Ayala Van Zandt's book, The Value in the Valley. Okay. um, I I think without those valley moments in our lives, we can never go on to the greatness that will be. I mean, just being able to look back at yourself and be like, wow, Cherie sad and lonely (laughs) in that moment. Yeah. Freedom to be able to take that evaluate amalgamate and and create who you are now um, is amazing and astounding and that you could put that all together and be able to be a healing force is amazing. Um, I too have been very deeply affected by storytelling. I kept a journal when I was small. Um, I wrote a lot of, fiction and in the beginning it started with like kind of copying other people's stories and like mm-hmm. inserting myself into the stories when like, you talked <laughs> about being honest. like I t- I did tell you about like my Nancy Drew books. I used yeah. to write myself in and be like hey, I need a black friend like that's what they need but also thinking about going when I go back to my journals and and see who I was at that time Talk to us about your quest to include your voice in the realm of stories, whether it be the lonely Cherie or, <laughs> or the Cherie who has seen the light?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, it's an interesting thing. Cause you know, I, I um, formally study writing, right? I was, went through a creative writing program. And what was funny is throughout that program, they always talking about you know, these are things you need to do to find your voice. And, you know, I'm really just trying to find my voice. At one point, I'm like, yeah, that's what I got to do. I got to find my voice. Uh, but I'm beginning to to come around to the idea. Um, and I feel like Kiese Lehman, who's another one of my all-time favorite writers, and he's a, a contemporary writer who is living. Um, and I, I love shouting out living writers as much as I can talks about like we already have a voice like everybody has a voice Mm -hmm. and a lot of times what we're looking for is permission to actually use it or you're looking for like
1: validation like you yeah
0: yeah. yeah, like validation Mm -hmm. so it's like you have a voice Mm -hmm. you have things that you love deeply that you believe deeply Mm -hmm. um but it's like you you want permission you want validation you want um, someone to say, yeah, it's okay for you to say that
1: mm.
0: and to, and to put that out there like that, you got to give yourself that permission. And so when I think about trying to situate myself into the world of storytelling, it was very much about, do I feel confident in the voice that I have mm. to share it and then to amplify it too, right? Cause we're saying i'm not just saying like i'm gonna write a few things and give it to some friends and family i'm like really trying to put my work out into the world to the
1: world yeah, yeah. So, and do so, you think this this sense of validation is one or need of validation is what holds a lot of storytellers are?
0: i do i do i mean don't tell like what what would you if you said if and, and i know y'all work with a lot of different artists and community advocates and things like that right yeah if, And I know people come to y'all with ideas and things they want to do. Like, don't you feel like that's the thing? Like they're waiting for someone to go, oh, yes, that's a good idea. Or you should do that. You know, Mm -hmm. do y'all find that
1: too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like the challenge is to try to look past that and feel so sure and confident about what you have to say that you can disregard that and say, and just go ahead and say it. And I think that's that's Mm -hmm. a challenge for a lot of writers and a lot of people, a lot of artists as well.
0: I think for me, because a lot of people do come to the store, the space Mm -hmm. um, with something to offer and whatever that is, whether you are writing or or not, if you're giving a workshop, whatever it is that, that you are offering, speaking from from that throat chakra space. I like to give people leeway to kind of do and say what they want to say. And I ask a lot of questions, um, because my father was a professor and he would often say, like, if you can't defend your idea, maybe it's not an idea worth having at the moment, like go back and retool it until you feel confident enough to share. So I, I think in that way, I'm I'm kind of trying to help erase gatekeeping. Yes. Uh, yes. So that people can, can, can like people come and they say, oh, you know, I, I want to do a workshop about this. And I'm not the one to tell you what's not about healing.
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> about healing? Yeah, like, yeah. Just tell me how, like, I'm going to ask you the question, how? And then if you get upset, like you might have to go back and rethink that, but I'm not telling you that is not yeah. right. You, yeah. you validate yourself. You say yeah. what you think it
1: is. And it's funny that what we're talking about right now may be good material to put into your present memoir, if not a future memoir. You <laughs> it? It's yeah. like, oh, this is good stuff. Let me add yeah. this to this memoir. Well,
0: I, it's, it's interesting because it, so part of what led me even to the memoir was talking about the writing. Um, so my first novel, Let the Lover Be, I'm very much in that main character. There's some deviations from my life, of course, because it's fiction, but it was in writing that book that I began to actually see myself from a different perspective. Wow. Um, And the novel is about a a woman who is struggling with alcohol abuse. And so I'm, I'm writing this book and I keep getting stuck And it took me, I think, part of getting stuck was realizing that I was actually writing about myself. And Mm -hmm. so then I had to be comfortable, because that was also the first book that I went on book tour with. And so I had to be comfortable when people asked questions about the book, which of course they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in a way, that was my first time speaking publicly about alcohol abuse. And it scared me. Because I'm like, at some point, I'm gonna have to talk about my how I found my way through this character, how I found my way through this, thing. and in many ways, my memoir now is like the nonfiction version of that novel that is ten years old. I think it came out in 2014. Yeah, and it's exactly ten years old in August. And so, and now I'm like, now that I'm writing it, and I still there's some there's some essays that are out from the collection right now where I look at them and I'm like, oh shit, like I wrote that? I said that? I told Mm. people that? (laughs) Mm. Um, But but this Mm. is part of the gates we keep parts of ourselves. Like Mm. what does that feel like to feel liberated from that kind of, I don't know, like self imprisonment and say, actually I can talk about this and I should talk about this. So I'm talking about it. And so that, that might be what the next memoir is. they like this idea of... <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I'll, I'll just take 10% of the proceeds. <laughs> <laughs> you the
0: write a forward. <laughs> yeah, okay. there
1: you go. I'll write a forward. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Is it okay if I piggyback on that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, the discovery that no matter what we are writing about, we're writing about ourselves. We're in there somewhere. Like, I I never thought that I would be writing nonfiction. And, um, you know, a a lot of what I wrote about was my teacher work, but in there was always my passion and my family. Always, always, always. And it's been quite both gratifying and terrifying. Yes. Realize that uh, (laughs) uh, I'm always writing about myself. I might not think I'm writing about myself. Um, but you, we were always present.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and, what, oh, was, and I what was interesting is that uh, Tracy was allowing me to edit a lot of her work. Mm-hmm.
0: That
1: was scary. Yeah, <laughs> it was scary. And of course, you know, she yeah, had people give her uh, constructive criticism. And I think the biggest challenge is to have someone on the outside try to validate facts that were specifically pertaining to her life. Mm -hmm. it's like how can you tell me this about myself how can you make this statement when I lived this I witnessed this this was part of my life so you can't tell me whether or not this happened or or you don't have any resources or material or data to back that statement it's like damn it I lived this damn life How are you gonna tell me that so I think that, that's account. kind of interesting. So I, I think that's also interesting to note that writers do have that power to say, hey, look, through my life experience, I'm my own primary yeah. source material when it yeah. comes to that. You know, And, and that's, and, that's, that's yeah. memoir. That's yeah, memoir. Um, exactly. It's your experience. Um, there's
0: there's this, uh, this poem I share when I'm teaching memoir. Um, it's by Lucille Clifton, just an amazing poet. Uh, I think her daughter just opened up their home. Uh, it was a home that Lucille raised her five kids in. She raised five kids. She has a joke about some her poems were sometimes short because you got five kids. You gotta
1: exist at all with five kids.
0: So the the Clifton house uh, in Baltimore I think will be open as soon to the public. Uh, but she has this poem. Lucille Clifton has this poem that I I share with my when I'm working with other writers for memoir, and it's called "Why Some People Be Mad at Me Sometimes." And it's super <laughs> short. It's it's they ask me to remember, but they want me to remember their memories,
1: Oh, and I keep <laughs> on remembering mine. <laughs> that's a good. One. I, I like that.
0: Yeah,
1: that's not that. that, that. <laughs> Preach. <laughs>
0: because they do. Yeah. It's like, how do you, how do you quote unquote fact check um, someone's lived, lived experience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think people kind of minimize the power of art making to effect real change sometimes, or, or sometimes we're a little overconfident that artists can make change. I think we're living in the dichotomy. Um, but how do you find folks um, that do the the same work as you in terms of like the ability to heal? Who are some of the authors that you have turned to for healing? Oh, wow. That's a great question because so many. Um, If I say, I guess I could, I'll I'll start with some ancestor writers um, who continue to pour into my life through their work. Uh, Lucille Clifton, Mm. uh, James Baldwin, Audrey Lord, who just had a birthday, uh, same birthday as Toni Morrison. Um, so, happy birthday to both of them. Uh, so, Toni Morrison as well. Uh, Octavia Butler. Uh, she so much of of so much of what she's done to heal me has been less through her published work and more through what I've learned about her as an artist. And so, there's this book by Linal George. Um, that was gifted to me uh, by my friend, uh, Lauren Oberweiger. And um, that book wholly changed so much of how I approached my creative practice and my life. Butler came from this staunch belief in her own talent. And just it just changed the game because so many artists, uh, writers, I think in particular, because we're not we're not so forward facing as a lot of the other arts uh, where they're more performance based and things like that. Folks can write books and hide behind the books and you know mm-hmm. um, come out rarely for a couple interviews or whatever. But um, Octavia Butler's approach as being affirmative rather than self deprecating, as being steeped in manifestation rather than like desperation. Like those were things that I need immensely as an artist, especially these last, I would say this last decade, I've needed a different approach to what I believe is my life's work, which is being a writer. And that has been incredibly healing for me, just seeing the intersection between my creative self and my daily self and seeing them less as separate entities and more as part of who I am, and how I show up in the world. And so, yeah. her, man, it's <laughs> that book is a handful of earth, a handful of sky. Like I yeah. read every artist, uh, regardless of your of your discipline.
1: Yeah, and listening to how you're expressing that, I, I see there's a, a, a pattern. Coming over. It's almost as if sometimes you go to other writers to find the answers yeah through life's problems and stuff and yeah. most of the times they don't have the answers to yeah. life's problems but their approach to finding those answers is what you know empowers you uh what inspires you to yeah. go on because you're like I, I doubt there's so many books out there about all kinds of different things that we go through in life i know there's not that one book's like okay here's the answer
0: <laughs> right right, you right, right.
1: but <laughs> you look at but there's billions of books of how people in their process and how they express and they chronicle their steps mm-hmm. and process of finding it's like okay I haven't found the answer but that approach is yeah. the answer yeah just that's and that's, I, how I
0: felt, that's exactly how I felt about mm-hmm. learning more about Butler's approach and learning more about James Baldwin's life and yeah. learning more about um, even con- like I said contemporary writers like KSA Layman and uh, Brian Broom and. Dolan uh, Perkins, like there's just so many, I'll just look over at myself. <laughs> <There's laughs> so many people that I'm, that I'm constantly learning from. A mentor of mine who, who passed away, Valerie Boyd, she, she wrote the definitive biography of Zora Neale Hurston.
1: Wow. wow. Exactly,
0: exactly right. I discovered this book right when I moved to Florida the first time. So I moved to Florida in 2003, um, but I was a business consultant then, and I knew something was off. Like I want, I, knew I was supposed to be a writer, but didn't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I found that book and I read about Zora Neale Hurston's life again, it just, like you said, it, it didn't have a blueprint for, this is how you become a black writer, a black woman, a woman writer, but it had some of those, some of the same questions I was asking some yeah. of the same um like just seeing some of the ways in which she navigated different systems and and her career and to to find you know funding for her research and her writing practice mm. it's like oh you know what i can i can borrow some of this yeah, yeah. From this. that's yeah. exactly it. so now that's something concrete
1: i can grab yeah. onto and not so abstract Here yeah you go.
0: Exactly. And so Boyd's uh, Boyd's second book was she she edited a collection of Alice Walker's journals. Right. I'm mm-hmm. currently reading that. It's Gathering Fire and the Blossom, Gathering Blossom into Fire, something like that. Your titles
1: are <laughs> awesome. <awful. Yeah.
0: laughs> I'm reading that now, and so I'm actually reading Alice Walker's journal entries. And so that's
1: giving me a lot of confirmation on oh. the the memoir that you're writing. You're probably going to do that for someone else picks up your book. They're gonna look at that and feel the same way. That would be beautiful. Yeah. be healing for them. Mm -hmm.
0: I'd be low key, like hitting Amazon and Barnes & Noble every time she drops (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: titles. Place this order,
0: ding. (laughs) Yes, the Salt Eaters is currently on the ice. It will arrive (laughs) by 12 (laughs) o'clock
1: tomorrow. (laughs) Amen, amen. Because there is mixed feelings about this overwhelming stream of uh, superhero movies and TV shows in today's media. What does this media trend say about our need for these types of stories and story
0: trends to me are so artificial. They're so like market-based. Like I don't believe that any at that at any time there is more or less of a thing. It's just mm-hmm. whether or not we're paying attention to it at that time. That's so true. I don't, I mean do I think there's a whole there there is a shit ton of of superhero movies and all, like the Marvel universe and the DC like there's a lot of that stuff coming out but it's like I think at different times those things are popular and I feel like you could probably take a a graph of when superhero movies spike and lay it across like times of great um, yeah. <laughs> stress and uh despair mm-hmm. and loneliness and you would see those trends line up. Um mm-hmm. i think folks be looking for a savior. They be looking for they be looking for a sense of justice. They looking for someone to use some powers that we either don't believe humans can have or we wish humans could have to make some stuff all right. And so Whenever I see a lot of superhero stories coming out, um, I'm always like people are looking for escapism into fantasy Mm -hmm. and imagination. And people are also in a state of despair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because Tracy and I, we always talk about the term the zeitgeist. Yeah. Of, uh, things. So, yeah. looking at, you know, there's a zeitgeist of horror, also seems to be a zeitgeist of uh, superhero movies and stuff. The, the movies made these stories accessible to the general public. But a mm-hmm. lot of these stories were always available in a medium mm-hmm. that most people didn't even want to bother to deal with because they thought it was below them. And that's comic books, mm-hmm. you know, comic right. books, and graphic novels yeah so it's like you know and the stories were there the stories were just as deep the stories were just as profound mm-hmm. but people were like well you know i'm not gonna deal with picking up a comic book comic book books you know for for children but around like the 80s and stuff that there was this big revolution of this thing called the graphic novel yeah in which most of these stories you know and the stories be- before then were even deeper but when they started to put it out in a new package which mm-hmm. then made a demand, you know what, this is so good, it has some movie making potential. And I think just what you said, I think you hit the nail on the head that the spike of superhero yeah. movies has a mm-hmm. lot to say about the pulse of society and what they're feeling in the times of stress and need and desolation yeah. as you mentioned.
0: There, there was a time when, um, do y'all remember when I feel like it was the, mid nineties, maybe early nineties, mid nineties. And I feel like we were just beginning to like really have conversations about climate change and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though those reports came out in like the seventies and eighties and they were, it started being kind of uh, popular to think about Mm -hmm. the earth and, you know, earth day and the planet and all of that. Yeah, and then there was this. There was this spike in like natural disaster movies. Do y'all remember that? It was like oh yeah, years. oh yeah, yeah,
1: volcano
0: and, and okay. cycles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. was, you know, and deep
1: impact.
0: And,
1: <laughs> uh, so the world, uh, world after tomorrow, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think that these are just. Well, I know that these are just repackaged mythology. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, This is the hero's journey. And this has been going mm-hmm. on since, at least as far as we know, in ancient writings, um, coming from Egypt and then repackaged for Greek mythology. And then the Romans took it and they repackaged it. Like, I and,
1: think- now, and now we put a red cape and an S on the yep. chest and oh, now and, a and Superman. Yeah. Yeah. These and are I- holiday myths.
0: The hero that we're really looking for is ourselves. Yes. Uh, And this goes back to gatekeeping and voice, right? And Mm -hmm. who who allows us to be powerful enough in our own life? You know, and and as a spiritualist, you know, I really believe that humans have all of these other abilities. Who allows us to know ourselves enough to speak orally and write orally our own story? And I Mm -hmm. love the fact that. Black people have dialed themselves in to yeah. graphic novels and to future Afrofuturism is hot, hot, hot. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Hot, mm-hmm. hot. And I'm, well, I'm, um, loving, I'm loving it. I'm here for it. It is amazing to me. You can dream yourself into the future. That's all the possibility.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. Well, Sorry. unfortunately, I think the quote-unquote unofficial, underside gatekeepers is corporate America. You know, mm. Whether mm-hmm. whether your voice not only has validity in changing and transforming people's lives, which it may, but is it gonna bring this? You know, mm-hmm. Is it going to make money? And you know, the opportunities yeah. for people to be able to publish and have their stuff published and distributed, yeah, is yeah, is limiting. And Just like you say, they they, they become the unofficial yeah. gatekeepers. keepers this
0: Mm -hmm. Capitalism ruins everything. And it's and what's crazy is it's funny because you when we think too when I'm thinking about just like language and we're thinking about if you even think of superhero, right? It is just kind of by nature something outside of us, right? The common Mm -hmm. people. Like it's some extraordinary, you know, person. Yeah, we kind of aim towards it's out Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. But then if y'all notice when uh when when shit starts shutting down in 2020, and they needed people to keep working amidst you know all the craziness, they were suddenly superheroes, right? And it was like huh? uh, the the uh, what did they call them? Um, essential, the essential okay. workers
1: who were oh, yeah, people of color by yeah, the, the baby can be or oh, yes,
0: people yeah. of color by the way. Yeah. Doing the, like, the most menial jobs, yo, in the, uh-huh. the, the,
1: the, the person being... taking out that trash. That's
0: right. The person getting
1: rid of that waste.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All heroes don't wear capes right. and all that. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, nah, we just we we're gonna we're gonna do a a slow down commercial with some slow piano music." Mm-hmm. And
1: like, <laughs> but also <laughs> realizing, but also realizing that the hero. <laughs> Wasn't the infrastructure or the institution, but right. the heroes relying within ourselves. Yes, That's right.
0: Were, it was us all along. All
1: along, and and now I think we're in a phase where people are starting to realize their own power and their potential,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: not I'm worried. I'm so.
0: the narrative. So the narrative. the narrative. narrative is always key, Absolutely. but we we can't get out of here without you talking about the solitude of writing. I think that's so important. Uh, And juxtaposed against the community, right? Talk to us a little bit about that because writing can be very solitary. Yeah. When I go to um, conferences and panels and classes and stuff, I always hear about how lonely writing is. I think it was Lorraine Hansberry. I might be misquoting her, but she's saying the thing that makes you exceptional, if you are at all, is also the thing that will make you very lonely. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I agree with that to an extent. Like there's certain work that you must do in solitude and wrestling and reckoning with your own story is one of those things. Um, But it's not all that way. Like, uh, especially when we talk about, you know, crossing that line from private to public, it becomes more collaborative. Even just, you know, there's no, you know, I'm writing books and stories, um, but where do those books and stories go? Not for readers, right? How do we participate in conversation if not for community? And if I wasn't trying to be in community with my work, I could just keep it in my journal, right? I could just, I could just write my journal every day or just sit at my computer and say, oh, okay, I got that out. Or oh that's I I, I really had a, a good time writing you know this mystery or this poem or whatever. But it's like what does it mean to take the wisdom that comes to you from the quiet and the solitude and use it to build community um, yeah. or to be community and to connect with people? I'm interested in the different way that writers specifically talk about the relationship between the loneliness of doing the work or not even the loneliness but like the solitude of doing the work as it relates to once it's out in the world once you're sharing it it becomes more than just you alone at your laptop or your your journal yeah how do they how do they navigate it again i mean i don't have no answers i'm just curious about that so i mean i feel like y'all could speak to that too like in theater for example as a as a screenwriter playwright, where where those stories come to you and you filling them out, and then it becomes a collaborative production. Now there's actors who are bringing you know their uh, interiority to it. There's the set. There's the score. There's like all those different parts of it. Been you Tracy mixing up something, cooking something up like that fantastic mm-hmm. elderberry syrup that cured me. <laughs> like, You're gonna make me next time. I see your approaches and your techniques, but then it becomes something that you invite community to take part in. How do y'all reckon with the solitude of producing some of the work you do, and then that transition in it to becoming public or or for Mm -hmm. the community?
1: Um, I would say it depends on what approach that you want to start off with. Uh, Take it at small approaches. Like, say, for instance, if I write a story, of course, I want to do it for self-gratification. But there's going to be that stage where you're going to have to say, hey, look, it's not going to do any good just being on my computer, like you said. Maybe I should send it out into the public. And if I can do that, I think I'd be satisfied with it. But I think at that point, it takes other people to think, yo, this was so good. Now it's got to be a movie. So that's beyond me. You know, I won't be thinking, I want this to to become a movie, but I want it to be a novel first. My whole goal, I think, will be just to get it out to people first and then based on the feedback and the exception of it, leave it up to other folks to say, hey, maybe we should take it even further unless that's your, your immediate goal to begin with. It's like, okay, I want this story to be on the silver screen. Okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm also going to take the steps to take it to the, you know, to the next step. So yeah. I'm not just gonna be just the author of it, but once I know <laughs> it's accepted and it's successful, then I'm gonna take the step to say, okay, I'm going to be the person that adapts my own screenplay yeah. because I ultimately want it to be on the screen and I'm gonna take that step to have it produced and everything like that. As well. yeah. So I, that, that would be my approach.
0: I think for me, uh, a lot of times it comes out of fear that whatever it is that I can think in solitude would stay in solitude and not serve because I'm very clear that I have come, my contract is to serve with the most high, That that's the contract that I wrote in here on. I think I knew it quite young. And every time I have ever tried to do something solely for myself, it has not worked out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, where I wrestle is that place of ego that says, okay, so you've got this great thing to create and then presenting it to others so that they can do it too so that I can fulfill the contract. And then the other side of that conundrum is, you know, making sure I have something for myself because I don't yes. think you're supposed to give it all away. If you do give it all away, then you become exhausted and empty and you can't pour tea from an empty cup. So I, I constantly try to make that infinity loop. Mm-hmm. So I'm honoring my contract, uh, whatever it is I'm making, if I'm writing, I might be writing about myself, but I'm writing about myself so that others can get this information. Um, I, I'm, I'm cooking for others to make sure that they can have an experience, that they can taste, that they can. It, it's a holistic, gustatory experience. <laughs> if I am making medicine, I am trying to heal and the satisfaction of the meanness of it comes when people experience it and feel well. So mm-hmm. for me it's always a, a balancing act. Um lonely in the creation. Yeah. Yeah. My, my brain be churning. Like I <laughs> there was a time I didn't sleep at all. I'm probably sleeping better now at almost 60 than I ever did before. I got too many planetary placements. In- <laughs> <laughs> like I'll be bugging, but, <laughs> you know, to, to, to kind of crystallize it, to codify it, to, to put it out there. Um, the challenge for me is, is to always make sure that I'm, I'm having the balance, right. Of the lonely meanness coming full circle.
1: Yeah. To- um, we are almost into 45 minutes man this know, is been, been good but here, here's here's one question i'm dying to ask you okay have you ever seen the movie book of eli yes okay you know at the end they created that repository of all the books that they felt were essential yes. that you had to have yes in your case if you had a choice what would be that one book that will be put on that shelf <laughs>
0: Ooh. Yikes. That's a damn good question. That's a tough
1: one.
0: <laughs> that is a tough one. Man, can I sneak back in every now and again and switch it out?
1: <laughs> switch if it there's enough paper doing the apartment.
0: <laughs> can, and, and after she answered this, can we each say? Yeah. Well, I'm interested to hear
1: what you guys do. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. this is really difficult. This is really difficult.
1: Um sorry to stump you. I should have put that on the transcript. <laughs> it. it was like the question just came to me. And like, hey, that was not all, that was not scripted. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: And I'ma just have to go with um I'ma just have to go with the book that's Taking my attention right now, because I I fall in love all the time with books, and I and I always like there's books where I wait for more time to pass so I can read it again. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Right, right, Mm -hmm. a different perspective. But
0: the the book that's been taking my attention, and and again, it's because I've been thinking about, and I know it's because I'm writing memoir. I've been thinking about my younger self a lot, Mm. and so I've just read for the third time. Uh, Bone Black by Bell Hooks. Mm. And it. And Bell, Bell Hooks is a memoirist's memoirs. Like she's written several memoirs at different stages of her life about different things. She's also uh, one of our ancestor writers now of course. Mm. But um, in Bone Black she writes about her, I guess quote unquote formative years. And there are several sections in that book where I had to close the book and just think and like, be thankful and cry a little bit and call my mama. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs)
0: Because what she's describing, so much of what she's describing in that book is how out of place she felt um, in her life. And reading it now, she's describing what it's like to be a child who's going to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Like not, you know, if you've got a a a young person who's, you know, always dancing and trying to choreograph, you'd be like, you know what? You could be a dancer. If, like you, know. if mm-hmm. you've got a, a, a child who's always singing and they got an excellent voice and they're always trying to perform talent shows and stuff like that for the family, you're like, you know, you might be a performer or actor or something one day. If you've got a little weird old child that's always asking questions, always challenging you, mm-hmm. always in their room with the door closed, reading, you worry, I yep. think. And be like, oh my gosh, she's so antisocial. She's so maladjusted. She's so mm-hmm. angry. She's so whatever. Um, and I feel like that's part of what it feels like to be a young person, a child, who's destined to be a writer. And so I think of Bone Black as a documentation that shows what your strange little kid might be. See if you can encourage them, like get them a journal, take them to go see a writer when the writer is in town. And those are the things that I wish I had had. Like my mom was um, is, is not, you know, she wasn't an academic. Um, she worked in offices most of her life and then she started mm-hmm. her own business. Um, my dad was, you know, blue collar worker. I was first generation college student in my family. I didn't have anybody saying, Oh yeah, you might wanna be a writer when, with mm-hmm. the past, the way you to write, it, it was relegated to a body. A lot of people write poems when they're a teenager because it's a very emotional time. But like, what's the difference between kind of doing that as a hobby and saying, no, this is who this person is destined to be. They they are a writer, and that's how I felt with that book. And so I would put that book on the shelf. I would put Bone Black by Bell Hooks, and hopefully someone would read it and be like, you know what? we got some some compassionate understanding to try to do with what feels like a difficult or weird or strange or outcasted
1: child. Mm-hmm.
0: I would put, and I love my, my Black authors, so I think that this is going to be kind of an out-of-pocket choice. The Diary of Anne Frank. Okay. For me, mm-hmm. solidified that a young, girl could have a voice, Mm -hmm. that her thoughts were important, Mm -hmm. that she could sit and dream and be and know things that would never happen, but she could think them. The possibility is there. And I feel like the book and the voice transcend what happened to her because we're still reading it still teaching it still mm-hmm. talking about it it's still relevant um that she was a little Jewish girl in Amsterdam in the 40s mm-hmm. didn't matter to me at all yeah I, black girl in like I didn't even want to write myself into her story because mm-hmm. I was like the story in and of itself is compelling as hell Mm -hmm. and all the things that she thought were things that i thought what she felt were things that i had felt and um you know just the fact that somebody could do something so awful to a child that they could sit and plan and plot the death of a people to the point where the children were affected that floored me a lot of uh Zionists in particular could you use, could use to revisit that text yeah what they're doing mm-hmm. over there in Palestine. Ooh, so they do it. they, they do they might yeah. need to go back and say oh snaps we're on the other side of this there's going to be a diary of somebody else and it's uh-huh. it's, it's there the them right yeah. yeah and there was no hate in her heart like yeah. in in her journal yeah She's just, she's, you know, battling against her mom and nothing. And her sister's prettier than her. And she liked the boy. Like, so basic. All around her, Um, Holland is falling apart. Yeah. And she's just trying to be a kid.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. My choice would be Cosmos by Carl Sagan.
0: All right,
1: Crowd Sagan, let's go. Yeah, I, I was really floored at a very early age by his insight and how he showed our place in this universe.
0: Yeah.
1: And how insignificant we really are in this universe, yet was able to express our potential as these small individuals floating in this, you know, this cosmos, and how essential that this village that we call Earth because when you compare the size of the earth to the vastness of the universe it's just a, so insignificant and so yeah. therefore it shows just how important how essential it is as a people to rely on each other just to survive yeah. in this despite yeah. our differences because we may have differences but we also have different ways of life and how we can Blend together, but still hold on to our cultural individuality mm-hmm. in order to survive in this pastness. Yeah. And yeah. his 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 uh thoughts and stuff were so profound. Yeah. I even listened, you know, to his uh videos and stuff and go back and uh visit his tapings and you know, yeah. go back to reading the book. And I think, yeah, it, it deserves to its place on that shelf. Yeah, we're
0: work, work, work where can we find you? Give us the social media. Okay. So I, uh, so I have a website. It's shereelgreer.com. Um, and that has every place else you can find me. In addition to, uh, if you are working on a manuscript, uh, or looking to put a book out in the world, you can contact me. I do uh, developmental editing, uh, and, uh, publishing consultation. I'm on Instagram. I am on Facebook uh, every now and again. I'm on Instagram the most, uh, probably. Uh, I left Twitter in October and I'm not coming back. Um, And Yeah, I guess that's it. I also, I have a Patreon. It's been a game changer for me, especially since I uh, transitioned out of full-time teaching. Um, And on my Patreon, you know, Sheree L. Greer, I share previews of essays that I have coming out. Uh, You get previews of drafts. I curate a a series called Lines in Sight because I do photography um, and I only really share it there on my Patreon. It's uh, Lines in Sight, you get a photo, an original photo that I've taken out in the world and usually some flash fiction or flash memoir or some poetry connected to that image. And so uh, I also teach a monthly craft class through my Patreon. So if you are looking to uh, learn more about writing, publishing, editing, any elements of craft, the business of publishing, you can also join uh, my Writer's World, which is available through my Patreon. Uh, and then, of course, Kitchen Table at kitchen table.org and Kitchen Table Lit Arts on um, Instagram.
1: So this thank has you, been you. very enlightening, this uh, great, great conversation. We'd like to thank, thank so our, our guest, uh, author and editor, Sheree L. Greer, for joining us today. Uh, we'd like to also thank our listeners for joining us on our podcast. And this has been the Alchemy of women's podcast. Be welcome.